If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Blog Talk Radio. around it, 
Um, there are people that are still imprisoned. And um, just, it happens so different than what people think. And I've noticed that, you know, in places where it's been legalized, again, with giant air quotes around it, there is a lot less interest in activism, in participating in making change. And people believe that if they get a law passed, then that's it, we're done. And the problem is, is people will pass a law, and a lot of times it'll be a bad law. And a lot of times it'll be a law that, that only protects some people. And maybe even more importantly, or as importantly, as the fact that it leaves open a place for some people to get locked up and raided and lose their children and 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 their jobs and their their freedom and their money and everything else that you can lose. But it generally in places where it's legal is set up in such a way that the black market still exists and that the legal market is generally so over regulated and so overtaxed that the people who need the cannabis the most don't have access to it still, and they end up either going without it or going to the dark market. And, you know, I think that it's important. You know, it, it's interesting. Like right now, we're in the most tumultuous political time in a long time. Not ever, by no stretch. There's been worse worse political battles than there is today in American history. It's certainly a big one. And I don't know how many people are voting not Trump right now. And I know plenty of people that are voting not Biden. But the problem is when you vote for a not something, a lot of times you end up bringing in something that can cause you more problems than you had bargained for. And some people would say the 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 devil you know is better than the devil you don't or something like that. There's some kind of a of a proverb about that. But the truth is, you know, what what if what if we voted for what we wanted rather than what we didn't want? And I and I have to I wanna I very seldom make political statements, but anybody who knows me knows that I'm this guy who tries to find the good in everything, right? And you give me a disaster, and I'll say, well, it made room for this other thing to happen. And regardless of what you think about Donald Trump, um, and I think plenty of things good and bad about everybody that's involved in politics, but I'm not talking about what I think. I'm just saying that the one thing, if he did nothing else, and he, he did all kinds of things, both good and bad, but the one thing he did was he demonstrated that you don't have to be a pussy. And that doesn't mean that you have to be a crazy maniac and lie about everything and change your mind about everything and do all the stupid things he does. But I wonder if it's not paving the way for somebody to be both eloquent and thoughtful and maybe even make some common sense and not be a ballless weak person as most of the time our, our, our middle of the road politicians are. 
And I'm wondering if it maybe could pave the way for a new breed of president, one that might have a little bit of the will and the and the and the willingness not to do what everybody is expecting and wants to do, but also not be an insane maniac. Um, maybe there's a place for that to happen. I don't know. I'm just thinking maybe that's the good that comes. Um, that's all I'm going to say about the politics, other than I just really hope that we can think about what's important in our lives and who is important in our lives, and that politics will always come and go, and whoever's in office today will one day not be in office, and whoever's in power today will one day not be in power. We know that for sure, but the one thing that is important and the one thing that we control is our own minds and our own hearts and the way that we treat other people. And I can't help but wonder, I, I believe that the amount of overt hatred that's up there right now today in full view for everybody, that's the disturbing part to me, maybe more so than what the politicians are doing, because we've seen the politicians do this for generations. But what we haven't seen are the people overtly behaving the way they're behaving. And I mean on all sides, the, the lack of, of, of compassion. You know, we talk about empathy and sympathy. I see very little sympathy out there for those that don't think like us. And I think that how ridiculous is it for us to think that the only way you can be my friend or have value in my life is to think like me. How arrogant and, and, and thoughtless might that be, you know? Because who really does? Who agrees with you with everything? Who agrees with you in all aspects of life? You know, I don't know anybody in my life that agrees with everything I think and say and do. In fact, I would hope not because, hell, I don't agree with myself sometimes. But I wonder if we couldn't be understanding, if we couldn't take a minute and be thoughtful and maybe take a minute to look through the other person's eyes and see why it is that they're thinking the way they're thinking, why they're saying the things they're saying and doing the things they're doing. And I believe a lot of people are misinformed. I believe a lot of people don't understand the true history of our country and the things that have actually happened or not happened. I believe a lot of people are misinformed um, about events as they're happening right now and, and what, what influences them. And I believe that feelings are contagious. And I believe that a lot of people that are maybe frustrated about one thing get instigated into a rage and point that rage at a group of people or or a type of person. Um, and 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 it sometimes festers and grows like a disease, like a cancer. And I and I can't help but wonder um, how many of us are are born angry and and hateful, and how many of us are taught it from our family and 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 generationally, and how many of us are provoked? How many of us are provoked? You know, there's a term called a provocateur, and I believe there's a lot of them out there right now. And they're instigating and provoking and poking and causing um, weak-minded people to react um, in a hateful way. And I'd like to say this. 
maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe take a minute and get off of your own personal agenda for a second and maybe just take a second and think about what that other person might be thinking. You know, what's causing them to feel and think the way they think and maybe it might, I don't know, soften your heart a little bit, maybe decide to be a better person. I believe we're all people, which means we're all flawed and that we all could be better and I personally think that um, if I could be better every day, maybe so could you, and I'll make the effort if you will. So, as I've said before so many times, who's with me? <laughs> All right, that's what I want to hear. So, Craig, um, I got a lot to say today, but um, I don't want to just do um, a, a, a bold monologue for my allotted time. Um, I don't know. I don't know um, how long I'm going to run the show for. I don't have any guests specifically besides you. And so I want to hear what you have to say and what you're thinking about the current state of affairs. Whoops, you just dropped. All right. Well, that was a bold statement. I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure you just dropped. Well, I'll continue on. Um, I want to give thanks today. Uh, this is the last show that will be aired through the Coffee Party Radio Network. Uh, we thought it was going to be the last one last week, but uh, we got another week to get our own stuff together, and so uh, we didn't get our own stuff together. So this is literally the last hurrah on this on this network. So the number six four six nine two nine two four nine five. That's probably the last time we're going to have that as a number. We'll give you a new number, and it'll all be wonderful, and we'll, we'll be the same show on another. Oh, there's Craig. He's back again. I'm just going to bring him up. Um, but I, I, I want to thank everybody for supporting this show. And I know I've had a number of people over the years, a, a, a substantial number of people that have told me that they, they believe this show has value and, and, and meaning and um, they, they find it to be a good show. And I want to say this to you. First of all, thank you for that. Um, but second of all, I want you to realize that this is a non-sponsored show. This is a show that is brought to you by people who care, by the Human Solution International. Um, and I think it's an important thing to do. And if you find it valuable, please talk about it. Because the show will grow or shrink, not because of advertising dollars spent, not because of any kind of gimmicks or marketing, but simply because you like it or don't like it. And I believe that if you like it, you know, I, I would ask that you tell other people about it. Let it grow. Another thing is um, we're getting ready to talk about our elections, the human solution elections, not the crazy elections. And um, once we get through the election, we'll be – hopefully restructuring the show a little bit and bringing in a little bit more help to support it. Um, but if you'd like to be a guest on the show, if you'd like to, uh, if you know somebody who might want to be a guest on the show, if you want to help out being a screener or help uh, promote the show or be involved in any way, um, hop on the website, thsintl.org. And let us know. We'd love to have you be part of it. You know, this is a 
all volu- an all-volunteer organization, and we have had lots of people come and lots of people go. And the truth is, it's hard work to volunteer, and it is a it's a commitment. And again, I talk about people being weak-minded; they're also weak-hearted, and I don't mean that in a way that's saying you're less than or, 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 or worse than. I'm just saying inherently people are weak-minded and weak-hearted, meaning that a very few people have grit and the tenacity and determination and will and desire to really stay the course and make things happen regardless of what's going on in their lives, regardless of what's comfortable and not. And that is just the way it is. That's why everybody doesn't win. That's why everybody's not successful. That's why everybody in life doesn't get what they want. Plenty of people live a life of mediocrity or worse. Plenty of people live in a victim world where they don't get choices. And I believe, I believe, and that's why you can't refute it because I believe it, um, that we make our world. And that sometimes things happen. You know, Craig, you're a perfect example. Sometimes things happen. And you are a perfect example of that. Now, I have watched, I don't know how many people that have been destroyed by the thing that happened to you and have been crushed and embittered and and turned into not a good person. And yet, you had something happen that I wouldn't wish on an enemy you were you were literally truly victimized by the government that's supposed to be there to protect us and i just haven't seen you go off on blind angry rages i haven't seen you um decide to wreak havoc and chaos on the world no in fact all i've seen is you advocating to make positive change and to be a part of the solution how is it that you're capable of doing that well, people need to work from that from a from an inner strength. You have to develop that inner strength, I think. The inner strength that says I'm okay. I'm I'm okay with who I am and what I'm doing. Recently, people are are spending too much time I in my opinion being concerned by what other people are doing. <laughs> I I think they're missing out on the chance to get themselves right first. Because we we look and so much in in the our days lives now we see in the news all over the country like uh last night in Philadelphia we see the race to the bottom something really yeah. bad happened there and now people uh, are trying to outbat it you know they're, they're just hurting all these business people they're knocking all these people out of jobs they're they're knocking out people that have worked their lives to put together businesses and all that and they're getting destroyed now so they're, you know, again, they're, they're, it's the race to the bottom. You know, who can, who can be the most bad? And whereas I think instead they, they should say that I'm good. And <clears throat> when I see something bad, I'm going to work to make it right. Why, why don't we work to change what the police do and how they do it, where they do it, and what they do? You know, why is, you know, why isn't that the effort rather than? carrying all this stuff out of Walmart. <laughs> I, I don't I don't get the, the logic of trying to be more bad. Well, you know, and Craig, I was thinking about 
that. In fact, I actually made a few a few notes to the show today and, and ideas that I wanted to sort of throw out there. And I know that a lot of times people think that, um, you know, when there's riots and looting and, and, and chaos and destruction, that's really what it boils down to. It's destruction and it's, 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 it's bad behavior. Anyway, you look at it. And I, and as I was talking about a little bit earlier, I was saying, you know, what if we were to look through the eyes of the other person? And I, I'd like to ask everybody who's listening today or who will be even listening in the future, imagine that you are a small business owner. And if you've ever been a small business owner, which I've been all my life, you put your whole heart and soul into your business. You don't work for a guy, or maybe you do work for a guy too, but for your business, it's it's everything. And in many people's lives, they literally have every nickel of of of, in, of equity they have in their life invested in a business. They have all of their time invested in the business. They have all of their heart energy. You know, it's not just time and it's not just money, but it's literally your soul. You know, you put all your time into this business. And then you go and you take a risk, right? Because when you go out there and you, you take out a business loan or you invest in, in um, merchandise or, or some kind of stock and then you got to get a building or, or um, you know, lease the building or whatever, but you've got to take and, and, and put your stuff in this store. It takes a huge amount of commitment and and resources, and in many 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 small business owners' lives, everything everything they've ever had is tied up in this business. And imagine if you were one of these people, right? And some days you did great. Some days maybe you did fantastic, and you made enough money that you had a little extra money to sock away, and you were able to grow your business and buy more things or, or, or maybe even set up a little retirement for yourself, whatever it was. What if you were able to do that? And then one day your business was in a place where one of these riots began to happen. And maybe you were there inside of your building or maybe you were watching it on TV or maybe you're looking through your, your cameras, but Regardless of how you saw it, you saw it. And all of a sudden, you see your big plate glass window crashed, and somebody threw something through it. And then you see a bunch of people, maybe just one person, doesn't matter, going through your window, and then a bunch of other people come in, and next thing you know, all of these things that you've worked so hard for and done so much to, to accomplish is getting tore out right from under your, your your nose. You know, what would you do? And and what if you were there? And what if you had the means to defend yourself? What would you do? You know, and I and I and I'd like us all to think about that, you know, as 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 we're sitting here, you know, some people are supporting that kind of behavior in the name of protest. And that's not protest. I've, I've, I've protested many places many times, and that's not protest. It, that's, that's not protesting anything. It's, it's, it's stealing, and, and, and it's causing harm to your neighbor. It doesn't do anything to your cause. 
And and I also want to impart this thought. What if, what if somebody like Martin Luther King Jr. had a moment that he was able to walk this earth again? And what if he came back to this earth in a in an earthly body and saw all these people protesting, but he didn't know what they were doing, and he got excited and he's like, "They're still they're still at it. They're they're keeping my my dream alive." And then he goes and he sees up close what they're actually doing. What do you think? What do you think he, he would think? What do you think he would think? And and. I wonder, you know, how is it that we're willing to just sit by idly and not say anything about it and not do anything about it? How is it that, that you know, it's okay to have an opinion about one thing but not about something else? And what about the truth? What about the truth? You know, and what's going to happen if we keep this up until the government starts to react more and more harshly and this escalates and gets worse and worse, for what reason, though? For what reason? You know, the government has a whole military. National Guard got deployed the other night, and there's no shortage of them. These violent protesters, I'm going to echo what I'm reading right now because I happen to be showing this on the live feed and I actually see it. The amount of people that are protesting violently is such a small number compared to those that are actually peacefully protesting right now. But I've said so many times before, when it comes to energy and the use of energy, positive energy requires everything you got all day long, every day to get something done, right? If you're going to build a house, you got to get everything to it. you got to put it together. You gotta dig the trenches, you gotta put the plumbing in, you gotta raise the walls, you gotta do every step and every little thing has to be done right. You wanna blow the house up, you put a bomb in it and push a button. Boom, it's gone. Right? And that's how it is. Negative energy represents destructive force represents so much more tangible force than positive force. It takes ten thousand positive protesters and two bad ones can take all that good attention away by burning down one good man's business. And that's what's happening right now. And I think that the truth and good people and and sharing that truth and encouraging people, you know, what if, what if in this place where these people are rioting that good people stepped in and said, whoa, uh-uh. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. I've seen footage of it, of good people coming in and getting in the way of people trying to cause destruction and saying, uh-uh, why would you do that? And and literally stop it from happening. Well, you know, what if that was a message? What if we were to put energy into that? I don't know, Craig, I get, I get on a tangent, but this is something that, that really troubles me sometimes is that all of this, this, Violence and destruction is really a very small percentage of the effort being put out, but yet look what it's doing. Well, sadly, you find out at a lot of these protests 
you, you see the news people go out and start interviewing the people as to what are you protesting? And they get a, a huge, you know, disparate uh, answer, you know, over here they're, they're protesting this, over there they're, they're protesting this. Some of them just don't know. They just were told to show up for the protest. So that's where the problem is, is let's put our energies where it counts. You and I have been small businessmen for many, many, many years. And as a small businessman, you never waste an effort on something that doesn't move your business forward or put money into things that really don't accomplish anything. um, You know, it's that pragmatism that, you know, makes a big difference that we're missing in a lot of these protests. Now, as you know, I push people to uh, speak more loudly about the changes in marijuana laws that are needed and, uh, you know, get heard by your congressmen, get heard by your neighbors, get heard by the media. Um, And, as you know, I'm very much pushing behind that. But don't don't fight an evil, you know, with an evil. When I was in prison, I... I was a lifer. There was nothing they could punish me with. (laughs) So, I mean, if I hurt anybody, if I, you know, no matter what I did, I couldn't lose any good time, you know, anything. But yet, in over 18 years, I didn't have uh, write-ups. It it didn't accomplish it. It wouldn't do anything for me. You know, why would I want to go destroy something? Why would I want to go hurt somebody? It, it doesn't accomplish anything, and and that's what I want is I want people to to lead where where something actually gets accomplished, and and that's where I want to push our, our our Congress people. We know that cannabis helps a lot of people. We know where cannabis is uh, more and more accepted by the laws of the state. It's working. The, we haven't seen one state yet say, "Oh no, this experiment didn't work." Well, you know, we're we're going back to criminalize uh, cannabis. There has I, I've never even heard that subject come up. <laughs> it works. No. You know, let, let's get on what works. I totally agree, and and you know, one of the things that I've been doing in the background, and 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 the foreground is uh, working with other leaders of other groups, and forming alliances, and and finding. Um, you know, capable, strong people that are are sharing a positive message and aligning ourselves with them. That's where the Walk for Change has been very valuable. We've been able to, uh, you know, connect with a lot of people that share a similar vision about a number of different things, but, but realizing that it is important to stand together, to be together, to, to speak with one voice, and I believe, you know, once we're through this election, um, we're going to get back to organizing the Walk for Change. I just knew that prior to the election, once we knew that we weren't going to be involved in the walk during the election, I didn't want to try to compete with it. And so um, once we, once the election's done and we have a direction that we're, that we're pointing, um, we're going to get back to organizing this thing. Um, but I, I really think that leaders need to start working together. And it matter if you're a big uh, organization. I've, I've been able to have conversations with large organizations, 
with small organizations, with individual advocates and activists, um, with people who know lots of people. You never know, you know, who that person that you're talking to. Maybe, maybe they know somebody who can who can help, um, you know, bring some leadership or some resources to a project like this. And I think that that's kind of what needs to happen more and more. You know, imagine we don't seem to have one leader strong enough to unite enough people with one message that's getting through. I'm not saying we don't have them. Um, I'm not saying I'm not saying we're not them. I'm just saying we haven't been effective enough at getting enough people together under one message. So I believe right now, and unless or until enough people are willing to rally behind one leader, that we need to get the leaders together and agree on a message and agree on a way of peaceful protesting and 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 a method and a and a and a and in a a method that's based on effective behavior and and you know whenever I've done a protest one of the things that we've done and we've been adamant about is our messaging and putting together our talking points and putting together a clear, concise message, knowing knowing that we're going to get asked by reporters, what are you doing? And I believe that if we think those answers out ahead of time, um, it helps us to even get our, our chance right. You know, when, when, when some people, I think that they go to marketing companies sometimes and they come up with a catchy way to draw attention to something but then they stop there. You know, okay, we remember your name. Now what? Now what? What is the thing you want to see happen? How do we know what to do if we're not giving that direction? And 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 I think that we have to yes, remember these people and pay attention to these things that are happening on all sides. But what about the goal? What about the end? What is the thing we want to see? We say, what do we want? And we say, justice. What is that? What is justice as it applies here? What is the thing that we want to see? And how do we know when we have it? And I think that if we could be a little more eloquent and be a little bit more clear and a little bit more purposeful when it comes to our messaging, not just getting people together and not just being loud and not just, you know, getting a little news attention or catching a little bit of, of tear gas so you can have a social media selfie, um, I don't think that's enough. What are your thoughts, Craig? I, I agree wholeheartedly. It, it needs to be a consolidated message. That's one thing that I've noticed uh, with the recent movement of the Black Lives Matter. Of course, they started up to, you know, fight uh, injustices that were happening to too many black people across the country, especially at the hands of law enforcement. But now it's morphed into all kinds of different things because a bunch of people stand up saying, I'm speaking for the group. I'm speaking for this protest. I'm speaking for this or that. And they've never become united behind one message. And that, that's hurting them. Uh, because, you know, yes, they're, they're all over the streets in uh, our cities across the country, 
but you don't you you see the title Black Lives Matter, but you don't see a a message that we're going to keep protesting until we get this, and <laughs> and that's what they're missing. Yeah, unfortunately, I believe that if you look into the the actual mechanics of that particular organization, and and not its message, but but the organization, it, it it's gotten very politically driven, and there's there's people behind it that have nothing to do with it, and there's there's money behind it that has nothing to do with it, and you know I believe it's been co-opted and 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 you know. Um, I believe it's been it's been taken and bastardized and you know what what is a truth of course it's a truth but that doesn't mean donate money to the Democrat party it doesn't mean you have to think this way about every cer- certain thing the the two have nothing to do with each other and I think that you know political parties are not the answer to this problem uh, we're the answer to this problem I believe there isn't a single political party throughout all of history that solved all the problems. It's the people that solved the problems. And I believe if we start thinking that way and we start recognizing that we're the solution um, and we start acting like a solution rather than, you know, just a problem, we'll, we'll maybe start getting that. And I think you're right. We've got to get this message clear. You know, how are we going to, like, in my mind, it's not that difficult. You know, I mean, all we have to do is is actually most of our policies, actual policies, are not all that far off base. It's that we don't follow our own policies, and we only follow them when they suit us. And when they don't suit us, we do something totally different. And then even, I don't know if anybody's aware of this, but I'm certainly aware of this, that most of the cops that get charged don't get convicted. Most of them. And you know why? Because they get overcharged. They get charged with crimes that they can't get convicted for. And they get they get all these charges and we're like, yeah, charged with murder, charged with this, charged with that. But if you actually understand how the criminal justice system works, the actual charge means something. And there's a burden of proof to prove that this charge actually happened. In order to commit murder, you actually have to plan it. You actually have to, you actually have to think about it before you did it. And everything else is not that. And sometimes in a criminal case, they'll say, well, if you don't find him guilty of this, there's a lesser charge you can find him guilty of. But a lot of times there's not. And a lot of times cops in particular don't get convicted because they can't get met the burden of proof for the things they're charged from. And they get overcharged, I believe, on purpose that way. And it makes it appeases the people because we hear, yeah, finally, some justice got done. They got charged. But we don't think it through. And when it all comes down to it, how many of them actually do time when maybe they should? And I'm not, again, espousing my personal beliefs. I'm just saying these are the facts. And you can look it up. You know, everything that I talk about when I'm talking about history, there's there's absolute documentation basing it all up. So um, I think that I want to take a politics minute. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, it's okay. I want to hear what you have to say. Well, I was going to say that those kind of politics 
has slipped into the Moore Act, which is a, a law that was originally had in mind uh, a one-sentence law before the Congress to say, uh, deschedule cannabis as a controlled substance. Just take it out of the Controlled Substance Act. And, and that would be the solution. Leave it up to the states. Let's go back to federalism. Let the states regulate it as, you know, whatever applies or whatever best applies for the people of that state. But instead, that bill got co-op. Then they added to it, oh, well, we've got to put a 5% federal tax on marijuana. Okay, that's simple enough. Okay, we're going to do that. But then they added, this is how we have to spend that 5% tax. And unfortunately, the way it's worded, is that tax money, instead of going into the to the regular, you know, federal government fund, it's to be earmarked to go to neighborhood organizations, uh, especially in impoverished areas. So it's basically, to a lot of people, that means to democratically aligned, uh, uh, you know, organizations. And so now you've just turned off a whole legion of people that would otherwise be voting to deschedule cannabis. They don't want to tax people to benefit the Democrats, you know. So now you, you've, you know, turned a, a good thing into a political thing, and, and that's what's hurt. What we need is leadership to make it a one-sentence bill that says take cannabis out, out of the controls, you know, make it so it's no longer a, a federally controlled substance, period. <laughs> I totally agree. And, you know, the thing is, I think a lot of people forget that the United States is a, is a union of sovereign states. And that was how this country was put together, on purpose. And the federal government had a limited role in that. And it had specific powers that were laid out for the federal government. But what's happened as happens in all of power is that the federal government has scooped up huge amounts of power that have crossed way into what should be states' rights issues. And, you know, now you wouldn't realize that we have sovereign states, right? You wouldn't realize that there's only a limited amount of things that the federal government is supposed to even have a voice about. And everything else is supposed, states are supposed to govern themselves. And, you know, a, a few years back, I think it was in 2013, Dana Rohrbacher um, wrote a bill called H.R. 1523. And that was a bill that literally had five lines. And it did exactly what you just described is it gave us every state the opportunity to line item cannabis out of the Controlled Substances Act if it saw fit. And if it didn't, if it wished to include it, it had that right. And frankly, there was all that's it. There wasn't anything else. It it didn't tell us it didn't put a tax on it. It didn't try to regulate it. It didn't try to say we need to do this, that or the other thing. And and I believe there's a lot of language in the Moore Act that was positive. It just, like you said, it ends up getting political. And in this world right now that we live in, if it's political, it's going to be divisive. If it's divisive, it's going to die. And that's that's unfortunately what 
what has happened thus far to the Moore Act. And, you know, um, I think common sense would fix it. Remember I was talking last week about the Ministry of Common Sense? I still think we should create that position, and I still think I should be the minister. <laughs> it's not recognized not in too many places really, here anymore. <laughs> I think I would be good at that. I think that, that and, and, and if not me, somebody who thinks with common sense. Frankly, I don't care, you know, about taking on more things to do, but I think that common sense should and needs to be in our language. And, and I believe that when um, politics gets involved, common sense cannot live. It's like, it's like matter and antimatter. Politics and common sense, I think, are like polar opposites in, in, in that arena. And I don't believe you can have the two um, living in the same place at the same time. Well, listen, we are running a little bit low on time, and I do have Mike and Sarah that want to give us an update. And we've had actually some good news come out of Kansas today. So I'm going to bring Mike up on the call right now, and let's see what's happening in Kansas right now. Mike, well, up, welcome Joe? to the show. How are you doing today? We're doing good. Hey, hey. Doing good. Hey, hey what's up, Craig? Hello. Hey, hey. I'm, I'm glad you're here. I, I hear there's some good news from Kansas. <laughs> yeah, we've got, uh, you know, Kathy Matthews and Philip and uh, that – her son, you know, they put up a pretty good fight in this case, and she won her suppression hearing, and then the state challenged it, and the judge told him, no, it's not going to fly, and that he would probably have dismissed the case if it hadn't been for uh, um, the state not filing the right paperwork. <laughs> so, so The state wasn't even ready for anything. So, Craig, just to bring you up to speed, I know you, you probably know this, but just for anybody who's listening that doesn't, this is a case that that boils down to an ex-husband um, calling the cops on his ex-wife, or soon-to-be ex-wife, or I'm not sure, but they're not together, and claiming that there was sales of marijuana going on. They raided the house. The, the, the woman... Her, her daughter, and is, is it her son? Or her, yeah, her daughter was in the shower. Yeah, the daughter was in the shower, 14-year-old girl in the shower while they're being raided. So, of course, the cops get in on that. And then, um, basically, they all get charged with several felonies. And the evidence that was found was some text messages that really didn't say what they thought they said, and less than a gram of cannabis, less than a gram. Well, it takes a gram to even test it. So if you were to even prove that it wasn't hemp, you need at least a gram to do that, and they didn't even have that much. Um, and everybody got charged. So if you were to break the two-tenths of a gram three ways, you're literally less than a tenth of a gram is being charged to each person because you can't have three people owning the same thing. Well, one of the parties was already dismissed, just happened a couple of weeks ago, and Cassie, they're trying to work a deal out with her so that she still takes some charges. And this is important because I get a lot of people that come to me and they're like, hey, I got a case, can you help me? And what that means is that you need to be willing to fight. And if you can't fight, 
I don't know what I can do to help you. I mean, I don't have money to give you. I don't have a, an attorney that's willing to fight for you. I have a, an educational platform. I have people I can ask. I have I can teach you how to rally support. I can give you a voice to reach out to people, and we can actually raise up um, an effort. We can give press com- press coverage and all that kind of stuff, but I can't do it for you. And what Cassie did is she said, yes, I will fight. And I've been over there. When I was in Kansas, I heard Cassie call over, I don't know, it was 11 o'clock at night, and she's calling up to talk about her case. And that might seem a little weird, but if you've ever had a case, you lose track of time. That's the only thing that matters in your life is that case. And I listened to her, and she says, yep, I'm in it to win it. I'm going to fight this thing. I'm not taking a deal. I'm not taking... Uh, I'm not taking a misdemeanor. I'm I'm going to beat this thing. And not only that, but I'm going to stick around and help you guys when I'm done. And that's the kind of, 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 of warrior that we need. And those are the kind of people that makes it easy to fight for. Um, it's easy for me to get the, the – when you take the, the weak approach and you say, poor me, I'm a victim, and can you please help me, it's so much harder to get – people to get behind you and help some people will and of course we want anybody to help but when somebody's out there and saying you know what i'm going to stand and fight um you know bring it um and i'm willing to take what comes that's another conversation and it's a different kind of person that we get to stand up and help so um that's kind of part of the message here is uh the human solution is a bunch of volunteers and it's a whole lot easier to get behind people that are standing up and willing to fight than people that are basically saying, you know, I, I can't do anything. I'm, I'm poor me. I'm a victim. Um, it's it's a lot harder, and there's a lot less things that we can do. So that's good news, Mike. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, um, and then our next challenge here is this uh, Burgess case. I guess we're going to try to work with uh, Lisa and them and try to do something. But we got to get figured out what exactly is going on with it. And with him having a closed door, I, I don't know how we're going to work that, but I guess we'll figure it out. I have another contact. Well, you know, one of the things is is that sometimes, and I've seen this happen, and, and it's important. That's a big part of what this show is, is just kind of, living out this experience and sometimes people are afraid and they don't feel like there's any hope so they you know they reach out to somebody who says they can help in that in that kind of hope but sometimes when they see that people are willing to help and even if there's not necessarily anything tangible that we know what we can do sometimes sometimes it inspires them to get out there and and take that risk that's needed you know, when you're a soldier and you're out there on the front line, no matter what, no matter what, you're taking a risk. And it doesn't matter what it is. If you decide to get out there and protest in a place where violence might happen, you're taking a risk. If you stand up and fight a case, you're taking a risk. And so if you're willing to take that risk and believe that, you know, if you stand up, maybe maybe others will stand with you, and maybe the right thing will happen. Um, maybe that's what will come of this. So I, I certainly think we should continue our efforts to see what we can do. 
Well, you know, we're all about, you know, if somebody wants to fight, Joe, we want the fight. You know what I mean? Like, we, we, they, the, the injustice needs to stop with the BS. And hopefully this will give us an opportunity to get that motion in because how can you make a law on something that's not true? And we can prove with scientific fact that cannabis is not a Schedule One. That nullifies nullify the whole law. Indeed, indeed. And that's, you know, we, we have a plan that we're kind of working on right now. And the idea is to introduce a motion that challenges the whole Schedule One. Um, you know, placement, and and if we can get a judge in, in a courtroom to accept that motion, then that enters into the system, and it might get appealed, but then the appellate court gets to rule on it, and it may lose in the appeal, but then maybe the Supreme Court gets to rule on it, and all of a sudden, you know, a, an idea, you know, I frankly don't know why this hasn't happened before. I mean, obviously, Schedule One cannabis doesn't work, like, on any level. And we all got hoodwinked when we didn't get upset about that. But most people just don't know how things work, and they just let it go. And here it is, you know, 1971, I believe it was enacted. Here we are getting into 2021. That's a long time for people to sit there and watch the emperor wearing no clothes and not saying anything about it. So maybe it is time to say, hey, that law doesn't hold up. It can't hold up. I don't know why we keep pretending it does, but it's not there. And uh, this would be an opportunity for that to happen for sure. The good news in the Burgess case is, is it something that you can do pre-trial? Like he can take a shot at this and then still do whatever he wants to do later. Exactly. And it's another thing, too, that people need to remember, that standing and fighting a case doesn't necessarily even mean that you plan on taking it to trial. You know, I've seen plenty of cases get pled out right at the last second, even after a jury's been picked. I've seen cases settled when the jury was sitting there and everybody's like, really, do you really want to go through with this? And I've seen deals get, get, get struck. Well, you have a stronger position when you're there than you know, where you're sitting way pre-trial. So you got an opportunity to introduce all kinds of things. You can file all kinds of, of motions and, and suppressions and challenging uh, warrants and all kinds of stuff way before the trial ever gets going. All right, guys. Well, I think that that's a lot of good news. And, um, I appreciate, of course, everything that you're doing, um, and, you know, I never would have thought, I never would have thought in a million years that uh, I'd be spending so much time in Kansas and working with so many people in Kansas, but here I am. Not only am I there, but I'm glad to do it, and I think that we got a lot of good work coming out of the heartland, and I believe that, you know, it's, it's where people are willing, and that's where the change is going to happen. That's where it all comes from, Joe. It comes from the heart. So we're just going to change it from the heart out. So we're going to start in the heartland. I love it. I love it. All right, guys. Well, I love you guys, and I appreciate everything you've been doing, and uh, I look forward to seeing you soon. Sounds good. Love you guys. Have a good night. All right. All right, Mike and Sarah, the Kansas chapter, and they've been one of the busiest chapters over the course of the last year. Um 
so that's that's happening. Um, before it looks like Tom Corby is just calling in right now, just in time to close the show down. Um, but I want to make kind of a, a I don't know an announcement or just want to talk about a couple things before we close the show down. Um, we're getting ready to have our elections Friday. The day after tomorrow, we will be having our election. What that means is if you are an active member today, meaning you have renewed your membership in the last year, or you happen to be a lifetime member, of which there's only a couple, um, you qualify to vote. And what you have to do in order to vote is go on to the website, thsintl.org. And there's a voter registration right on the front page. In order to vote, you must fill out that voter registration. That's the only way it's going to happen. If you don't fill out the voter registration, come Friday, you will not have a vote. And I'm sorry. I've talked about it. We sent it out every possible way. We sent it to our mailing list. We've been talking about it for weeks and months. And here it is. So Friday, around 7 o'clock in the morning, an email will come to those who have registered only, and it will be your ballot. And on that ballot will be the candidates. And some of the offices only one person ran. If there's an office that one person only ran for, you will not have a vote because there's no contest. Only one person ran. And I want you to be aware that I'd rather have one person run who actually wants the job and is willing to do the job because these are not glory jobs, I can assure you. If anything, they're the opposite of that. They're going to put you at risk of criticism. They're going to put you in a place where people are going to say, who do you think you are? But the truth is, you get to be part of this organization that I believe has made a huge impact on a huge amount of people and will continue to do so and will be ultimately partly responsible for the, the major changes that are coming forth. And I believe so wholeheartedly in that that, you know, it's, it's, I'd rather it be a difficult job. We ask your volunteer time, committed time, to be in a part of this team, of the board and of the um, executive team. So when you get a ballot and you don't necessarily see everybody to vote for, it is what it is. That means that only one person ran. I talked for six months about this election I talked about it on dozens of shows, and we wrote articles about it, and it's been all over the place. If you didn't know about it, it means you weren't paying attention, and maybe you weren't involved. It's okay. The show goes on. Every two years, we do this again. If you decide after this election that, holy cow, I need to get more involved, there's always a place. There's always a place to volunteer. There's always work to be done, and we can absolutely use you, and we welcome you. We have an advisory board that we also would welcome you to. No commitment to that. You just have an opportunity to come in and sit on a conversation where decisions are going to be made and actions are going to be taken. So um, that's what's going on. This Friday, you got 24 hours from 7 to 7. Um, by Monday, we'll be announcing the results, but the, the election closes down Saturday, 7 o'clock in the morning. This is, again, the last few minutes of the very last show that will be aired on this channel. Next week, 
we'll have another channel and we'll post it, how to call in. It'll be a different number. Um, it will no longer be the coffee party. We're no longer involved with the coffee party for various reasons, um, but the truth is it, we weren't aligned the way I thought we were. And so um, we're going on and taking on a new channel, um, but it'll be the same show just happening in another place. So we'll make sure that everybody gets um, gets that information. So as we're coming into this new election, um, I really want you to understand how I feel about all of this. This, this means the world to me. And I want to thank all of the people that have come from the very beginning. Um, you know, some of you came for a week, a month, a year, a couple of years. Um, you brought something to this organization. We learned from you. We learned what to do, what not to do. You maybe inspired us. You maybe incited us to think or, or, or do something different. Um, but everybody that has ever been part of this organization has brought some value to it. And for that, I thank you. I thank everybody who has ever fought. Um, I was one of them, and, I'm, and I, I'm grateful for all those that stood with me, and I know what it's like to fight, and I, and I want to share some deep thanks for everybody that's been willing to stand up and fight a case. Um, that's the core of, of what revolution is all about, being willing to make change. Revolution doesn't have to be violent. It just means that people are willing to stand up for what's right and willing to fight for what is right. So for all of you that have fought and stayed the course, I thank you. And some of you have stayed. <laughs> some of you have stayed through thick and thin. And there's not a lot of you, but there are some that have been around since nearly the beginning. I think there's only a couple that are around from the very beginning. But um, for those of you that have had the, the tenacity and the willingness to endure some of the drama and problems and grief that we've dealt with and the growing pains, uh, I'm, I'm ever so grateful for you. Um, so I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank those of you that are inspired. You know, every once in a while somebody comes around and they get it. They have that moment of, I get it. And I'm going to turn my time machine on. It's good for a few minutes, so we're going to go a couple minutes long. And it's twice in a row I've said that we're going to only do a half an hour show, and here we are going along again. But for those of you that ever got inspired, for those of you that ever got it, had that moment of, of holy cow, I get it. I see what they're doing. The Dee Dee Kirkwood's among you. You know, I, I, I've, I've spent wonderful time with my friend Dee Dee, and I've watched and listened to her. Um, and, and the fact that she had a moment of, of awakening at one point in her life, and she's like, I have to do something. And, and the, the amazing work that she's done and the inspiration, the inspiration's contagious, and it's the good kind of contagious. And so for those of you that have ever been inspired, I, I, I'm grateful for you. And for those of you that are willing to commit and lead, um, it is hard as fuck. And pardon my French, but, you know, there's been so many times when I've sat there and gotten in a fight with my wife because I spend so much time on this human solution stuff. And it brings out not always the best in me when I come around 
and the people I love. And sometimes, you know, you 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 react and you take a frustration where it doesn't belong. And I've been guilty of that, and I've been called out on it. And so I understand to everybody who's been willing to to get out there and stay the course and 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 commit to this and be part of it, and not only just be part of it, but to to get out there and be willing to lead and to put yourself out there and to carry the flag and carry the banner and be willing to be proud of what we do. Um, I'm very, very grateful for you. And so I just want to say that as we're getting ready uh, to go to our election cycle again, um, I want you all to vote. Every every member gets a vote. Please cast your vote. Um, that's how this organization gets to stay good and strong and pure and true. And um, that's what I have to say. Craig? I'm going to give you the last word before I give Tom the last word, and then I'll probably give you the last word again, and then we'll give Willie the last word. What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my message is, is I want people to to fight. Um, think about your fight. Think about the change that you want. The message is deschedule marijuana. Get it off the controlled substance uh, uh, list in the feds and let the states regulate it and get it right. I mean, even the recreational states now, you know, they need to tweak their laws, but they're moving the right direction and the feds need to get out of it. And we need to make sure that they hear we want them out of it. <laughs> that's, that's all I have to say. One message. That's a good message. I appreciate that, Craig. And as always, you know, I, I appreciate that you're standing here working with us. You know, it's funny of all the people that we've supported um, even when they were behind bars, only a handful of them really stick around. And uh, the fact that you've stayed the course and, and, and you you stand by and recognize the good work that we do, um, I appreciate that more than you know. And uh, besides all that, I like you. I think you're a brother from another mother, and I, 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 I know we're going to fish together one day, and uh, I can't wait for that. Uh, we're we're going to get that fishing trip in. Sooner or later, I won't be a prisoner anymore. <laughs> indeed, indeed. All right. Well, I see a five three zero number. I'm pretty confident it's Tom Corby, and let's see what old Tom has to say today. Tom Corby, is that you? Yeah, that's me, barely. <laughs> barely. Thank you, Joe. Barely. <laughs> Don't yeah, forget the breeze. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when my back hurts like this, and a lot of people have had this back. <laughs> And bulging disc, it hurts to breathe and cough. That's a problem. <laughs> yeah, we're getting through it here, up here. Donna's doing better. And thanks to all the help, Frank and Tito and Nick and all the people helping us up here. Uh, you know, I think back, Joe, the, you mentioned before we first met with the cannabis, came down and talked to you and not going over the coast and coming down I five, we met and well, if you stayed overnight, and I know I remember the next day you guys didn't want to leave. You liked it there, but you had your schedule. From there, my point being is, uh, I got I got direction. I got some application. Uh, it helped me immediately with with Joe's application and others. Uh, uh, right on, uh, right away. Uh, some of the things that we can do to help the case, and 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 follow through on our discoveries, and 
and file in a timely order and keep working our case and investigating and file the, all those 995. Uh, I like that disprobable cause motion. I think that's the number one motion, always to make that motion. Very seldom there's probable cause and a neighbor complaining. And that neighbor complaining doesn't realize he's going to have to take the stand. A lot of times we back cases off right there. They didn't tell us that. So because we've stood our ground up here in Northern California, we haven't any cases. And furthermore, we have no helicopters flying around. We have no no heat on our on our roads here with our far with our, our farmers. Yes, we are. Uh, I want to say a little prayer for all our friends up in Berry Creek. You brought it out last week. Some of them we know. Uh, I had a couple guys down here last night that just barely made it out. These guys have thousands of plants up there. They're beautiful. They have such good medicine. It's all burned out. They lost everything. We're talking about a couple hundred thousand pounds easy of lost medicines for our patients. So sad to say there's going to be a shortage of of our medicine this year. And uh, I guess uh, 30 of his friends, he just got out and a tree fell down the road. Here comes the fire. And I guess 30 of his friends uh, got burned up in the fire. I say, so sad. Starting these fires up here, and uh, there's conspiracy theory. I'm sure you heard of some of them. And it's so sad we're burning up up here in NorCal. We're pretty fortunate here. We have a refuge. My properties, these guys, people who've been here know it's very clear. And uh, we help other people when they have fires on floods come and help what we can. That's what we do for people. Yeah, so uh, I want to thank everybody today and uh, getting to another day. Uh, we don't know what's in store for us tomorrow. We do our best to get to and get to another day. And as always, don't forget to breathe. Thank you all today. All right, Tom, always a pleasure. And uh, my time machine is smoking right now, so we got to get to the edge of this. Uh, Craig, uh, any last 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 words today? Uh, just keep that push. Keep that push. Keep that mission. Keep that one goal in mind. Keep that push behind it. Awesome. All right, everybody. Don't forget to vote on Friday, and um, we will see you all next week. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done. You were 